Welcome to Click, Treat, Repeat. This is a horse-focused podcast discussing positive reinforcement training, equine management and welfare, and other horse-related topics. So let's get started. I think I was going to say something about a study I found, but I couldn't find the full study, only the abstract. So I don't know what the results actually ended up being, but I did see something that said that there's a potential that blanketing could reduce the rate at which they eat hay. So that might be something worth considering if you can't provide 24-7 hay. And that's kind of a pro-blanketing study, but I don't know. I don't know if that was actually what the results ended up being or not. So I'd have to try to find the full study, but something to consider. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that could definitely make sense, you know, if they're eating to stay warm and then they are already warm from the blanket and they don't kind of feel the need to eat as much or as quickly. I think that makes sense. So definitely, yeah, I mean, I think that could be, especially if you have a horse that needs to have limited food for whatever reason. I mean, I'm, I think even horses that need a limited diet can still be fed 24-7 forage through you know, hay nets and other types of slow feeders, ideally, but also as somebody who had a horse that needed kind of limited diet, um, I was feeding only soaked hay for a while. It's really hard to do that. So, you know, I get that that may not be feasible. So something like that could be helpful to help those horses keep their hay lasting longer. So yeah, I think that's, that's a pretty interesting thing. And if we can find that study, we should definitely link it because I don't think I've seen that one. You might actually be able to access the whole thing because of college, but I cannot unless I pay for it. So <laughs> that's why I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I can, yeah, I should be able to access the whole thing so I can read it and then, <laughs> yeah, that'll be nice. Um, yeah, I'm always looking for more studies, as you know, so. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple pulled up about blanketing, but I never made like a summarized version of it. So, I mean, one that a lot of people I think know about is the one where they taught the horses symbols to communicate whether or not they wanted to be blanketed and that study is really cool but that one also a lot of the horses did indicate that they wanted to be blanketed which I found interesting yeah that is really interesting I mean yeah I think definitely a lot of horses do like to be blanketed especially if they are you know clipped and they don't have the natural kind of insulation of their their coat and also if they're older or in poor health or underweight things like that they definitely may you know think that that's good for them um I think that is really cool to kind of implement the horse's perspective there one thing that somebody brought up about that study I think somebody on Twitter but I can't remember for sure um they suggested like well what if at night it's 30 degrees and that's when you're there to put the blanket on and the horse doesn't want the blanket but the horse doesn't know that it's going to get down to five degrees in the night and they might want the blanket at five degrees so I think that's also something to think about is that we're the ones who can kind of see the weather and like what's going to happen and make those kind of decisions whereas the horse you know presumably doesn't really understand that so I think that can kind of be a limiting factor there if the temperature is staying really consistent I think that's going to be more useful. Yeah, so it's not useful if you live in Wisconsin because it's terrible (laughs) here. Yeah, that's a really good point. Then the horses might not make the best decision, but it is still really interesting to see that most of them did choose to be blanketed when they had an option. 
Yeah, that is true. And then I remember too, somebody was saying that there was one horse that just kept repeatedly asking for the opposite of <laughs> whatever they had. <laughs> like if they were blanketed, they were like, take it off. If they were not blanketed, they were like, put the blanket on. And people were joking, being like, yeah, that one horse that's just trying to be difficult, which obviously is not what was happening because horses don't do that, but still kind of silly, you know, to just think about like, oh yeah, that horse was always asking for whatever the opposite was. But actually in all seriousness, that might be an indicator that something wasn't feeling right on that horse too. Um, if they were, you know, repeatedly kind of wanting to change, I guess, whether or not they had the blanket, maybe something wasn't feeling right and they were hoping or, you know, kind of thinking like, uh, something's not right. Yeah. Take this off of me. And then like, oh, I still don't feel right. Put the blanket on. I don't know. Just kind of something to think about. Yeah. I was thinking either that, or maybe there was a flaw in the training somewhere. I mean, you don't see what actually went on just by reading a study. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah. It could be something or maybe that horse was just really, really liked interaction with humans for whatever reason. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I mean, if they've been heavily reinforced for interactions with humans in other times, then maybe they just really wanted that. I don't know. <laughs> or if they were like stalled and, and didn't have a lot going on and it was kind of like stimulation for them. But yeah, I don't know a lot about that study, but I'm sure there's all sorts of reasons why that could have been the case. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think really, um, I mean, I don't really have that much more to say about it, to be honest. I do have more studies, like there were several studies where they were talking about um, in the hot weather, like for horses to have shade or not, um, there were there were at least two or three studies that I looked at. Um, one was physiological, behavioral, and serological responses of horses to shaded or unshaded pens in a hot, sunny environment by Holcomb at all, and then preference of domestic horses for shade in a hot sunny environment also by the same author, but different studies from different years. Um, basically what the first one found is that um, horses in the, in the sun were sweating in 51.4% of observations, but horses in the shade were only sweating in 1.1% of observations, like in the same temperature. So that's obviously showing that they were hotter in the sun causing them to sweat more and then the horses in the sun also spent more time than the shaded horses near their water source which is good I mean if they're hot they should be drinking so that's good I guess um but yeah if they did find that there were no differences in foraging or movement um they also found that cortisol concentrations were a little bit greater in the sun than the shelter but they were both kind of in the normal range so it wasn't overly concerning so I mean, I think that's kind of showing there weren't like these major concerns of like, oh my gosh, the horses in the sun are like being severely harmed, but the horses in the shade did um, sweat less. So I think that's interesting. And then the second study also was looking at shade versus sun, and they found that horses stood in the shade 7.1% more than by chance, and they used the shade the most during um, basically peak temperature and peak solar radiation. So they went under the shelter when the sun was basically at its height. So I think that that's also interesting to see that the horses were, you know, intentionally choosing to go into the shelter at those times. So it's clear that they're more comfortable in the shade at times like that when the temperature or the solar radiation is really high. So, I mean, I think just having the, the shelter and shade available for horses, um, is really important and I think 
you know, like a lot of places, unfortunately, I don't think provide enough shelter, like the place where um, I typically go um, to work with horses, they have a small shelter that could probably fit two horses, but they have like, you know, 10 horses out there. So, um, you know, if there's kind of peak times when the horses want to go in the shelter, that's going to make it hard for all those horses to have access to shelter. And there are some trees, but they're on, they're sort of outside the fence, mostly on the edge, not really providing much shade there. So I think really a lot of places should look more, more closely at having enough shelter available, even if that is just a small shelter like that, and then maybe like shade from trees, things like that. Um, but yeah, just kind of some random information from the studies on hot weather. That's a really good point, though, because I feel like every barn I've been at does not have adequate shelter for how many horses are in their paddocks or pastures. But that also just tells me that they're overcrowding their pastures, too, which is something I've seen a lot. So that's just it's a lot of issues with management, really. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's tough to. I think manage properly at a boarding barn. So I have a lot of, you know, like, oh, they're really trying their best. They're really getting, you know, doing the best they can to create a safe environment for the horses. But it is really hard to, um, you know, be in those situations and be like, oh, you really should have more shelter or you should not be putting as many horses in this pasture, things like that. Yeah, I noticed a lot of resource guarding at previous barns I boarded at with the shelters too. So like, the horses that were the most guardy would always be in the shelter and kick everyone else out. And that's not really fair either. So it's just unfortunate. Oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's not really fair. I guess I, though, I would want to add, I probably wasn't being totally fair saying that they didn't have enough shelter because those horses are stalled at night. So they do like have their own stall as well. And then that's, um, but there are pasture only horses that are there in different pastures that have a similar setup but hopefully I think they have a few more trees for shade and whatnot but yeah I mean I think it's it's just hard and like you said resource guarding can become an issue I haven't seen that be an issue in the pasture that I'm talking about I've actually only ever seen Charlie in there he likes it in there he's in there a lot um and the other horses don't really seem to ever be in there or want to go in there when I'm there but yeah I can definitely see how that could become an issue especially you know during bad weather because I also usually don't go there when it's raining because I'm not doing the care myself so you know you probably see a different perspective as well like doing the caretaking yeah that's true I don't know if I have much else about shelter blanketing but I mean for winter management in general we already talked about 24-7 access to forage being the most appropriate but it's not always accessible, so that's complicated. <laughs> but another thing that I always do in the winter is add salt to their diet. So my horses don't usually get that much salt in the summer in their grain or feed. I guess it's not grain, but whatever. But in the winter, I'll add quite a bit more. And they also have a block right now, which I know a lot of horses don't actually really use those very much. I more got that to see if it would stop Pharaoh's poop eating. So he has something else to put in his mouth, but that's an option too. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think that's really something to highlight because a lot of people seem to think that like temperature changes cause colic, which is just not true. 
there is a correlation between temperature changes and colic, but it's because of the water. It's because in the cold weather, the horses may not drink as much water or they may not have you know, access to enough water if the water's frozen and they can't get at it well enough, things like that. So I think that's really important to highlight because I see so many people being like, oh, there's going to be a, a quick weather change from, you know, like five degrees to 60 degrees in one day. And it's like, well, that shouldn't actually be a problem as long as you have, you know, good management and they have access to water and things like that. And it can be hard to get them to drink. I'm not saying it's as easy as just throw a bucket of water out there. But if you really take effort to have your horse make sure they're drinking enough and things like adding salt or electrolytes or things like that can really help with that, then you should be okay. I mean, it could still happen. But um, yeah, I've definitely had even vets tell me that it's like literally the temperature change that's causing the colic. And I think that's just a really common myth or misconception that is not grounded in research and typically comes from people reading research poorly and just seeing that there is a correlation there and not actually looking into like what's actually happening. So yeah, definitely think that's a good thing to highlight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even with adding salt, I definitely notice a decrease in how much they drink. Like, I think our tank is 150 gallons and I fill it about once a week, but in the summer it's easily twice a week with four horses. So there's definitely a difference there. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I mean, to some extent that may be natural and okay. Like I know I drink a lot more in the summer too, when I'm outside in the heat. Um, and that one study that I mentioned before, the horses stood nearer to the water. They didn't apparently measure how much the horses actually drank, but they stayed closer to the water and may have drank more. Um, so like that could be okay, but you definitely don't want them to not drink enough or stop drinking. And I also know when it's cold out, I want to drink water less and I may be dehydrated and still like not drinking. And obviously again, different species. So it's just, you know, take it with a grain of salt that I'm talking about my own like experiences with like water. But, um, yeah, I definitely think that it's important to make sure that they are still drinking, even though even, you know, doing it very well, making sure they're drinking a lot, it may still be less just because they may need less if they're not sweating or, you know, dealing with those really high temperatures. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I do this all the time because I have a horse who chokes, but soaking your pellets can also help increase the hydration. So I do probably about a pound of Timothy pellets and then soak that so it's like a mush. <laughs> and that helps with the water intake too. Or you can add like Gatorade to a bucket of water or make teas and that'll also provide a little bit of enrichment which is pretty cool it's hydration and enrichment so there's things you can do to help increase their water intake even if it is still less than in the summer yeah that is very true and I've definitely heard of people just putting a little bit of like Gatorade or something into the water so that it's tasty and you know that can be enrichment too for them to just have a little interesting flavor that they don't normally get so yeah I mean there are ways that you can kind of make it fun and help them get good water intake so I think that's a really good idea and I mean even the the teas that we've talked about before too where you can kind of make some tea for your horses with horse safe herbs and you could even give them you know warm water with that so that could be a good way of getting them to you know drink some water and also they may enjoy having warm water when it's extremely cold outside. So yeah, 
And this isn't something I've ever done, but you could also teach them to drink on cue if you really wanted to. Yeah, I think Adele was doing that. I don't know how far she got with it or, you know, what's been going on with that recently, but at least several months ago, I definitely saw something from her about teaching them to drink on cue. So I think that's also, yeah, definitely really interesting. And it might not be necessary, but it could definitely be useful for a horse that's not drinking enough and you just, you know, need some way to ask them, like, please drink this. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. Yeah, besides that, I don't think I have much else. I mean, I guess with the forage, if you can't provide 24-7 access, do things to make it take longer. So nets, or you could even put muzzles on your horses if you wanted, or feed small amounts more often, which that's what I usually do. So I'm feeding about 150 pounds right now for four horses, and I'll feed anywhere from like three to six times a day, depending on the weather. And for the most part, everyone's pretty calm and it seems to work out for them. So that's always an option too. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that's definitely a great tip. I would say like, ultimately, I would just, you know, urge people to pay attention to what their horse is communicating. Like if your horse is shivering, then your horse needs a blanket. Or if your horse is trying to bite you when you're trying to put the blanket on, then that's probably a sign that either something's just generally uncomfortable in their body or with the blanket or that it's too hot and they don't want the blanket. I mean, it doesn't, it, it could mean different things. I mean, they may genuinely be cold and need the blanket and something's just hurting. So that's why they're acting like that. But, you know, kind of pay attention to those behavioral um, indicators. And I guess just not to go too deep into this, but I while we were talking, I found a study called pressure on the horse's withers with three styles of blanket. So something to think about is also that the blanket itself may be causing discomfort. So try to, you know, be very careful, pay attention to what types of blankets your horse might find the most comfortable. And then this study specifically found that the blanket with the V-shaped insert had the lowest total force and smallest area with pressure on the withers out of straight cut V-shaped insert or cut back type of styles um, for the blankets. So then they also found that while moving or walking, the straight cut blanket had the highest total force. Um, so, I mean, yeah, even just style of blanket can affect how comfortable it is for your horse. So just try to make sure if you're gonna choose blanket, you're getting something that is comfortable that your horse feels good about wearing. Um, yeah, I just think that that's probably important. Yeah, that's not something I would have thought about at all. So I'm glad you found that study last minute. I know I like was just, I don't know, scrolling through studies. And I was like, wait, that's actually really important and really interesting because I had never thought about that either. And I also like li living in North Carolina, I never really had all that many blankets because the coldest it ever gets here is usually like 20 degrees. It does not get below that. And horses are generally pretty comfortable in 20 degrees. I did blanket my old mare um who was underweight and also had various health problems and was old um and I maybe didn't even need to do that but I just did so that is what it is but um yeah like here I never had all these various weights I just had like a pretty light sheet and was just like this is the blanket that's gonna go on her um so I mean I think regionally too it, it may just depend on you know where you live and how the weather gets um and yeah but yeah, I think paying attention to that is important. And, you know, also 
making sure you don't under blanket because if you do under blanket, then you may be kind of preventing their natural thermoregulation by kind of like not allowing their hair to do its job. And then if you're not blanketing enough, then they're going to be cold because you're preventing their, their normal way of keeping themselves warm and you're not compensating for it enough, the blanket. So yeah, there's really a lot of stuff that I feel like we could go into, but I feel like we've covered kind of the big things here of like, generally blankets may be overdone, but they're not a bad thing. They could be very good. They could be very helpful. Um, try forage, see if that's going to help keep your horse warmer. Be careful of hot weather. I don't know. I feel like we've covered like <laughs> most of the big things. I don't really know what else to cover, but yeah, there's just kind of a lot here. I feel like if we organized it better and really went deep into each topic, we could probably get a lot, I don't know, more, more clear information, but I still think this was a good overview of like some of the general stuff. Yeah. And I think, I mean, just, it's all nuanced. So it's really complicated because there's so many factors that go into whether or not you blanket. And like you said, it's not necessarily good or bad, but it can be complicated to blanket appropriately. So there's just a lot that really goes into it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, just my personal preference and my personal philosophy tends to be if they can go without it and not be harmed by going without it, I choose to go without it just because I try not to, you know, unnecessarily complicate things or, you know, do things that aren't necessary. So if my horses can go without a blanket, then they will. But again, like I also, when I had Coco, I chose to blanket her because of her health status and her age and things like that. So, you know, whatever is most comfortable. And, you know, one horse might be really like the, your horses in Wisconsin, they may feel good in zero degrees. That might feel great for them. Whereas, you know, a horse from North Carolina who has never experienced that type of weather before may not be acclimated to that. I mean, definitely isn't acclimated to that and might need some more help to cope with that type of weather. So yeah, it's just like you said, it's all really nuanced and it just depends. Um, somebody, I wish I could remember who, has a really good episode on moving a horse to a colder climate that I listened to. It might have been um might have been either feed room chemist talking about like nutrition for that or it might have been um straight from the horse doctor's mouth. Not really sure. I can try to find it, but that one was really good kind of talking about different ways you can help a horse that is going to be making kind of a a transition in climate. I think that might have been feed room chemist because I'm pretty sure I just listened to that episode not long ago. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it might have been too because I think they yeah. were talking about like supplements that you'd recommend because I remember I was listening to that like around when it came out. It was a while ago. It was before I moved and I because that was when I was like, I don't know what my money situation is going to be like. Maybe I'll bring a horse with me. And then I was like trying to learn about how I could possibly manage that you know, type of move with the horse. So it was very useful to me at that time. And I felt like I remembered a lot from it, but it was now a while ago. So now I honestly forgot most of the details. <laughs> I just listened to like all of Feed Room Chemist in the last couple months. So I don't retain a lot of that information because I just That's like <laughs> info dumped myself. But I yeah. think it was her that talked about that. Yeah, that would that would make sense. But that I think that could be a useful one if we can find it slash people can find it. If I mean, even if you're not dealing with that, if you just have a horse in a colder climate, I think that could still be helpful. 
um, or just for general knowledge, even if you're not in a Florida climate. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think it's a, it's a pretty interesting topic. And I think really probably most people that live in North Carolina where I've worked are probably over blanketing their horses, most likely. But then on the other hand, a lot of them probably, you know, might actually need the blanket, especially if they're clipped and things like that. So yeah, again, it's just nuanced, but I definitely think over blanketing is more of a problem than under blanketing. So I typically try to err on the side of, you know, what's going to be least likely to cause harm. And so because over blanketing tends to be a little bit more of a common problem than under blanketing, I try to, you know, go that direction. But I mean, again, I'm not against blanketing. Charlie's blanketed right now, and he seems comfortable with that. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with that for the most part. I'm not anti or pro blanketing. I kind of tend to use it as a last resort and rely on the horse's natural, I guess, thermal regulation to do its job. But I think there are special situations where blanketing is better and it just it all depends on the horse, which I feel like is an overarching topic for <laughs> this whole podcast, but it's so true. Yeah, it really is so true. I agree. Yeah, I don't really have too much more to say. I think that was kind of the basics. And again, it probably could have been presented in a more organized way, but this is just how we do it. We just have a good conversation. <laughs> it goes where it goes. So <laughs> yeah, I don't think organization exists on this podcast. <laughs> No, that's okay. okay. (laughs) I know I listen to some podcasts, like typically, you know, the ones where they only have one host, where they like really make this like detailed thing where they present all the information in this organized way. And I'm like, wow, that's so organized. Why can't our podcast be like that? And then I'm like, well, I mean, we just have a more conversational style. I think that's okay. It's just, it goes where it goes. Yeah. And I mean, for me personally, I feel like I get bored with those podcasts easily. Like I'm one episode in and I'm just done. Like I'll listen to it <laughs> next month. <laughs> Maybe yeah, it's just no, because my, my brain's chaotic. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that makes sense. I feel like I still like those if the information is really good, but I feel, yeah, it's more so like the information has to be really good for that yeah. to kind of keep your attention. Yeah, for sure. enjoyed this episode of click treat repeat feel free to check us out on instagram at click treat repeat pod you can find jen at genuine equine and myself at bonafide.bt we upload new episodes every other monday and hope to see you then happy training